Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. This is God's Word. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then... He is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he's also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, 
he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb also was dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I say it over and over, but if you really want to get what a particular chapter is saying, you need to read the whole book, okay? Because it's all one piece. It is one letter. But Paul is showing in this chapter and in this argument, he is showing that the only way we can be saved is by God's gracious gift in Christ Jesus. The only way we can be saved is to be saved by God and saved by the gift of salvation, not something we earn. The book of Galatians is written to people who thought that there was something they could do in order to earn God's grace. If you earn it, it's not grace. And that's Paul's argument right here. The gospel is that salvation is a gift from God, and we receive it by faith. Now, Paul goes to great lengths to try and bring this home. God speaking through him, telling us that our efforts cannot save us. But if we want to understand that, we have to ask, save us from what? What is it we need to be saved from? Well, a purposeless life, a life of loneliness and frustration. No, no, that's not the idea. That, that is a tertiary problem. That is not the problem. The good news is how sinners like us can be saved from God's wrath. Heard recently, my wife heard recently from a person who uh, had been told by my wife that she needed to really repent and determine that she was going to follow the Lord. And she wrote back suggesting to my wife that she, it's not comfortable for anyone when people use fire and brimstone to try and get their point across. Let me tell you, there was no fire and brimstone in what she wrote. But in our culture, there are a whole bunch of snowflakes who are floating around. And if the sun comes out, they think they're being tortured. Let me just tell you something. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And we need to repent. 
Okay? Okay, but don't talk to me about wrath. There are a whole lot of people who don't want to be told about what's coming. There are a whole lot of people who do not want to believe in the wrath of God. I could never believe in a God who would send someone to hell. So what do you think? This is an election. You get to choose which God you're going to believe in. Let me tell you about the God who created the universe. He made it out of nothing. He spoke it into being. He has all power, all authority. Everything in the universe is his property. All belongs to him. The only thing that makes a human life valuable is the fact that God said human life is valuable. That's why we're valuable. Otherwise, we ought, like some nitwits in our society, to think that dolphins are really more worthy and they may actually be more intelligent than we are. The thing that gives human life value is God. And the fact of the matter is that despite every human being, not just in this room, but on the planet, saying to their creator, nah, I'll do it my way. You know, I know I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to go ahead. Despite our sin, God chose to save all who would trust in him. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But to save us from what? From his wrath, which he has warned again and again in a multitude of ways is going to come on the earth. God isn't warning us of his wrath because he's cruel. He's warning us of his wrath because it's coming. There is a storm coming. Read 2 Peter 3. The whole earth is going to be destroyed with fire. God promises that. If you do not realize that you deserve God's wrath, then you are headed for wrath. If you think, eh, you know, I mean, I, I, I know I'm not perfect. I, I can't count the number of times I've heard people say that. I know I'm not perfect, as if this is a concession. Oh, wow, can I give you the humility medallion? You're willing to admit that you're not perfect? That's amazing. Honey, this guy admits that he's not perfect. I mean, if, if that's your idea of acknowledging your sin, you are completely oblivious to what's going on. We have sinned against a holy God and we deserve God's wrath. That's what makes the good news good news. That's what's so amazing about it. So Paul's argument is to demonstrate that our efforts cannot save us because we've already violated God's perfect standard. I could know, it would be easier for me, a less than good swimmer, to swim from 
Jacksonville, Florida to New Zealand than it would be for me to work my way into heaven. Can't be done. Well, I don't think you could swim in New Zealand. That's my point. That's my point. But the distance from anywhere to anywhere is less of an insurmountable feat than for a sinful human being to clean themselves up and justify themselves in the sight of a holy God. I don't have a right to say, hey, you can't act like that, look at me. But God has every right to say, you cannot act like that, look at me. Because we've all sinned, he is perfect. And the amazing, amazing, amazing thing is that he would choose to save us. Folks, let me take just a moment to encourage you to go on the internet and visit the website of Wares Valley Ranch. For over 20 years, the ranch has provided a loving home environment for children who have a problem that they did not create. It may be a health crisis on the part of a parent or even the death of a parent. Often, it's the death of a marriage, leaving a single parent struggling to care for the children while working one or more jobs to provide for their support. Sometimes, it's a parent who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction, or even a case where one or both parents are in prison. These children are not the problem. They're not delinquents. They're simply caught in difficult circumstances. I hope you'll help us provide these little ones with the opportunity for hope and healing in a Christ-centered environment. You may know a child that needs our services as well. Please visit WVR to learn more. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So Paul, having told us back in the previous chapter that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, tells us that the only way we can be saved is by the Lord. God has to be the one to save us. And <clears throat> some people, when Paul is talking here uh, so explicitly about it being not by works, it's received by faith, some people want to say, um, I don't think that's right. Well, if you take it out of context, it's not right. In fact, some people will say in James 2, the Bible contradicts itself. Because in James 2, it says Abraham was justified not just by faith, but by his works. But if you look at both of those passages and all the rest of the scriptures, what becomes abundantly clear is something Paul himself clarifies later in this letter. That's why I'm telling you it's hard to just pull out a chapter and say, let's look at this. You've got to look at the whole thing. Faith that is saving faith is a faith that works. It's a faith that is manifested in a changed life because it's not just the kind of faith that agrees with certain propositional truths, okay? Do you believe that there is one God? Yes, yes, I believe that. James says, well, 
Congratulations, the demons believe that. And in fact, they believe it so much that it makes them tremble. Well, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? You've got to believe that. Yes, yes, we believe that. So do the demons, actually. They acknowledged that when Jesus was on earth. They knew who he was. The humans were having a hard time figuring it out, but the demons recognized him. It's not enough to believe these things like a little doctrinal checklist. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, well, I believe that too. Well, of course I believe that. I believe the Bible's true. So does the devil. I believe the miracles really happened. So does the devil. I believe that Jesus is coming again. So does the devil. The Bible says he knows his time is short. It's not enough to have a little doctrinal checklist. Yep, I believe that. I believe that. I'm very orthodox. So is the devil. Well, but, it, but it, he says right here that it's, it's faith. That word faith involves trust. It's not just a conceptual faith. It is a personal, relational faith. What is the basis of your confidence. Are you trusting in Jesus and Him alone for your salvation? If you're trusting in what you believe intellectually, it's not the same thing. If you're trusting that because you got your doctrine right, you're going to heaven, you're wrong. What? I thought it was by faith. It is by faith. It's by trusting in Jesus. One of my favorite stories about Bible translation was a fellow who was working with a, a tribe that had no word for the concept of faith. Well, trust? Nothing. They didn't trust anybody, and they didn't have faith in anything. They worked, and they worked, and they worked. The translator working with a local who spoke the language of the people couldn't come up with a thing. Finally, wearied by their labors, they decided to have a little siesta. And so they got into their hammocks. And the missionary looked over at the guy in the hammock. He said, what do you call what we're doing right now? And the guy said, you know, in the language of the people, we're, we're taking a break. And he said, no, no, no. When you get into the hammock and you get all in, okay, you, you don't have feet on the floor, you, you're getting in. The... And the guy said, oh, that's this word. He said, that's our word for faith. You got to get all the way in. I got nothing else I'm relying on. Man, if this hammock breaks, I'm down, okay? I don't have a backup plan. I don't have a parachute. I don't have an alternate way. I'm not hoping this works out. I'm able to rest and sleep here. Why? Because I, I rest in this. That's the gospel. We've got to come to the point where we realize we cannot save ourselves and we really need saving because the wrath of God is coming on those who do not repent. We've looked at it before, but at the end of John chapter 3, he says, I'm going I'm to read it to you. I don't want you to think I'm making this stuff up. John chapter 3, we all love John 
But John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now that word believe in the Son, that is a word that involves trust and it involves obedience. Okay, all of that is wrapped up in that word. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son or rejects the Son or does not believe in the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. Those are the only two situations for everybody on the planet. Either you are trusting in the Son and you have eternal life, or you refuse to trust in the Son and God's wrath remains on you. Those, those, are, the, those are the two choices. Preacher, just stay away from fire and brimstone, would you? Please, folks, this is good news. The good news is we all had a deadly disease, all of us. It wasn't just widespread. All of us had a deadly disease, and we were all headed for hell. We were dead in transgressions and sins. That was our situation. And God comes in Christ Jesus and says, whosoever will may come. He said that. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can come to him if you know you need grace. Simple, isn't it? But you see, it's not about a list of doctrines. It's about a trusting relationship where we have no hope but Jesus. That's saving faith. That's what we're called to. But we don't earn it by our works or by anything else. We receive it by faith. How much do you trust God? Abraham was told some amazing things by God. Things that were hard to believe. You're going to be the father of nations. Your offspring will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Really? <laughs> Have you noticed the calendar? Do you realize, God, how old I am? God deliberately waited until there was no hope of Abraham and Sarah having a child. Because in order for us to receive what God has for us, we've got to get to the point where we have no hope except for God to keep his promise. That's the only way we get saved. And I'll tell you something. God hadn't changed. He's still the same. He still brings us to the point of saying, I have no hope but you. You are my only hope. And you know what? When you're there, you're in a really good place. And it's his love and his grace that brings us to that point where we trust in him alone. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for the example of Abraham, for the teaching that you give us in your word, so that we know you are our only hope. Thank you, Lord, that there is hope, that there is peace, that there is joy for those who trust in you. Help us to truly trust you fully and then walk it out in a life of obedience. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.